So good to be here this morning. Acts chapter 9 is where we're going to be out of. And we've kind of been leading up to this, the story of our man Saul. The story of what happens to him. We, we've, we've only seen the negative. We've only heard the bad. But now we're about to see a good God step in and change him forever. And literally changed the, the scope of the world as we know it. And today we still are blessed by the ministry of Paul because of what God did in Saul's life. Amen. Acts chapter 9, starting with verse 1, it says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against his disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And he asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus, and his name was Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise, and go to the street called Straight, and the house of Judas. Look for a man named uh, Tarsus, named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, <laughs> there's always a but, isn't there? But Ananias answered, Lord, I, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to uh, bind all who call on your name. Here's another but. But the Lord said, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry out my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and he entered the house and laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. So he regained his sight. Then he arose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. Father, we thank you. We thank you for that, that work of forgiveness that you do, Lord, in the life of the believer. Truly, it does feel like holy water in our skin, Father. It's, it's like honey in our lips, that, that idea that you love us so much that, Lord, it's not something we should take lightly. That forgiveness from you is a, is a wonderful work. And God, that's the point. It's from you. It's not from our own works, our own goodness. But God, salvation is from you and from you alone. We thank you today for 
the ability for us to know you today. And Father, I pray that for those who are believers here today in this place, that God, they will continue to walk in the way. Father, I also pray if there's any here who do not know you, or Father, maybe they've not committed to you uh, their lives. Maybe they haven't been obedient in believers' baptism. Lord, maybe they haven't been an obedient person to, to become a part of the ministry here or wherever, Lord, you're leading them. God, thank you for your good work of redemption that is for all mankind. And let the church say, amen. I like this story because here you see Paul, of course, beforehand, Paul is just this negative Nancy, right? He's going around and he's, he's putting his thumb down on the work of God through Christians in the world. But Paul thinks he's doing the right thing, right? I mean, we all kind of know the background of Paul. Paul was a, he was a Jew of Jews. He was so religious, right? He knew everything. I mean, he was in a position of power, and yet here he's going after believers in Jesus, and all they're doing is proclaiming Jesus, right? That's all they're doing. They're not out here causing riots. They're not stealing. They're just out here preaching the name of Jesus. And he has a problem with that because it's coming against his worldview, what he thought was right. But one thing I've learned in my own personal life is that when Jesus gets a hold of me, when, when Jesus got a hold of Daniel, it changed everything. It changed my complete worldview. And it wasn't like a religion that was set before me, but it was a walk with Jesus because Jesus is doing a wonderful work in this world. And if you want to see God work, you, you get on board with that. Amen. And Saul was wanting to see God work. I believe he was very passionate. Isn't it just like Jesus to use very passionate people? You remember Peter? He was very passionate, wasn't he? He was a fisherman. I'm sure he had a colorful language. <laughs> uh, he liked to cut people's ears off for fun, you know? I mean, this dude, he, Peter, was, Peter was out there a little bit, but God used Peter, right? I mean, he, he was like, he was like a, a huge instrument for, for the Lord. And, and so the Lord takes like the biggest enemy of the church and places him in the most prestigious place to proclaim the best news. This is a beautiful story because here we see that happens. And, and so Saul's walking along and he's got his buddies with him. And all of a sudden there's a blinding light and the Lord speaks to him. And he's like, who are you, Lord? I don't know if he's answering there, if he's just being polite and saying, Lord, because he's scared. I don't know really what's going on here. But, but, he, but he says, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. There's no forgiveness given here necessarily. There's no major move. He just says, go to Damascus and wait. And like a good little boy, Saul goes to Damascus and he waits. He waits for that move, that, that, that future occurrence that's about to happen. And he goes there and then God uses Ananias, who's just a, a, a guy there, who's, a, who's just a follower, a disciple. And he sends him. And of course, Ananias is kind of like, but Lord, he might kill me, right? I mean, that's really what's, what we read there in that passage. He's saying, but this dude, this dude's kind of dangerous, God. Do you really want to send me there? But he goes, and the Lord redeems Saul that day. And I love it because it says that when, when he believed that there were like scales that fell off his eyes. I can remember when I came to Christ, I don't remember scales falling off my eyes, but I remember being able to see. And, and, and that happens to Paul, like physically and I believe spiritually as well, right? 
Like there's a, there's a picture here. God uses this, I believe, to show us exactly what salvation is. Salvation is not just us coming down here and praying like a magic prayer and getting dunked, but it's an actual change that happens in our lives. And Saul didn't stop there. He followed in baptism. It says he's immediately baptized, right? And then like a good Baptist, he eats food, so he's strong, okay, right? Amen. Amen. Some of you are like, he wasn't a Baptist. I don't know. He was. He's a believer in Jesus, right? But like a good Christian, he eats and he's strengthened. And the roller coaster ride that we're about to, to experience with Saul, soon to become Paul, is a beautiful one. And you know how it happens. It's not by seminary. It's not by perfect attendance at church. It's not because you and I are good enough. It's because we have a God who specializes in salvation. Amen. That's what he does. And while one may not have the same blinding experience like Saul, none of us, I, I, maybe you have, I don't know. I don't know everybody's uh, conversion story here, but, but I do know this is that wherever you were in life, there was a time where you were blind. And there was a time that you saw the light as a believer. Amen. I think of that song, I Saw the Light. That's one of my favorite. I love doing that, singing that. That song's in my head. Uh, I was singing it, just walking around the church the other day. And then uh, my brother, Jesse, he sends out, hey, this is what we're doing Sunday. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> brilliant, you know? <laughs> it's like so cool. So uh, th- that song, though, you think about, you know, who wrote that song, right? It's a, a guy who had some demons that he dealt with in his life. Yeah, he, he made some decisions that really affected the long-term outlook on his life. But, but if you know a little bit of the story of Hank Williams, there was a, a work of salvation that occurred in his life too, right? Was he perfect? No, I'm not here to lift up a man. We never should. But what I can say is that that guy wrote a song about an experience that he had. I saw the lights. I saw the light. There's a, there's a beauty in that, isn't there? That in a world where there's darkness, in a world where people don't know what they're doing, we have a, we have a God who gives us light, who, who brings sight to blindness. And today, you and I, should, we should glory in that. Don't you agree? Paul goes on later in 2 Corinthians. You can mark this for later. I didn't put this up on the notes uh, on, the, on the screen or anything. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul's writing about how we're called to, to go out and not to proclaim ourselves, but to proclaim who? Jesus. And that we are ourselves, we, we go out and we proclaim Jesus because we are Jesus's servants. And we need to let the light shine in the darkness. What is the call of the church today? We're to shine. We are to shine. Church, we've got to shine. Your, your calling is, is very important to this community. God didn't call you just so you can feel comfortable sitting in a pew. I know we're not saved by works. I get it. But if we are saved, we are going to be busy about the Father's business. We're going to be shining wherever we go. That, that we have this ability to see the full picture. Not, maybe not the full, full picture, but we know the gist of it, don't we? We kind of have like the, uh, uh, the end times for dummies version, right? We know who wins. <laughs> we, we, we need Jesus. And if we trust Jesus, then we can have eternal life. And in the meantime, we're waiting on Jesus to return. And when he does return, he's going to be victorious. And he's going to redeem everything forever. And there we will be with him forever. That's what we know. We have that picture that the world doesn't have. I have people in my life that don't know Jesus. How about you? People that do not know the Lord, that 
that, you know, I, I've even noticed a trend in, in funerals nowadays. People don't even, and I know maybe it's, it's a little bit to do with, you know, COVID or whatever else, but, but I've noticed a trend and I can't help but think that there's a correlation, uh, with what people believe the future looks like. But in funerals, a lot of times people aren't even having funerals anymore. They're just getting together and, and having dinner and that's it. Right? There's no, there's no formal service. They don't even go to the cemetery or they don't even do anything like that. They just want to get together and just kind of just get together and talk about the old times. And I think that for me, that speaks and just knowing some of these instances that I've been a part of these, these groups or known these people, these people are without hope. They don't want to be confronted with the truth, right? They don't want to be confronted with what the future may hold if you don't know Jesus. They're blind. It's scary for them. Well, sure it's scary. Death is scary for the believer at times, but our overall belief is what? Man, we have eternal hope. <laughs> you and I are not hopeless, amen? So what about salvation? What, what, what are some key points I think we can gather from this passage of Scripture when, in regards to salvation? Because I think if we're going to be going and telling people about Jesus, we need to have a healthy idea of what salvation actually is. Salvation is not something given to you because you deserve it. I'm going to say that one more time, okay? Salvation is not given to you because you deserve it. There's a lot of people think, man, well, God owes it to me. He doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't, but he, he loves us that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. We know that. We don't deserve it, but man, he's offering it to us for free. And the thing we know about salvation is that salvation is by God's amazing grace, period. We're saved by grace through what? Faith. That's it. Like, I can't even brag about it. I love what God's doing here. I, I, I've Recently, I've seen like God, uh, some plans like and, and stuff I saw years ago, maybe things I was part of years ago. I'm seeing like fruit coming from those areas, right? It's beautiful. Like you look back and you're like, oh, Look at that. You know, I told you guys about the, the lady that uh, she came to the Lord a few years ago and, and, and I'm seeing her family coming to Jesus even in her death. It's beautiful. I know it's not perfect, but it's, it's God working a plan that, that's bigger than you or I. Maybe it took this. I don't know, but I do know this is that God does all of this by his amazing grace. And that affects me deeply because I understand that I'm not saved because I was born, you know, a pastor's kid. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't just, uh, I'm not here because I, I was raised in church. I, I, this, is not, this is not what it's about. I, I'm here because God had grace on me. That's it. We got to get off our high horses and say, well, I've been a Baptist for 45 years. Who cares? I've known people who, you know, were a part of a golf club for that far, that long. It didn't do anything for them. And I'll tell you what, just being a member of a church is not going to save you. We're saved by, everybody say it, grace. That's what we're saved by. Salvation is, is by God's grace and God's grace alone. I like Paul's writing to Timothy later in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, you write this down, 1 Timothy chapter 1, 16 through 17. Paul says, but I have received mercy for this reason. Why have we been given grace? Why has God given us mercy? He says, I've been given it for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those 
who were to believe in him for eternal life. In other words, you're saved and you've been given grace because God wants to work through you. Paul wasn't even like pulling back and saying, well, I'm going to be the most famous apostle, right? That's, you never hear him say that. If anything, Paul says, I'm terrible. I used to kill people, you know? More on that next week, right? We're going to see some, there's, there's some things that come up next week in, uh, in the life of Paul. But he writes to Timothy and he's like, the reason we do this, and maybe, maybe Timothy needed to hear this. Maybe Timothy was a little bit big-headed here. I don't know. We don't know the backstory. Maybe Timothy was like, well, I'm the youngest pastor ever. I don't know exactly what's going on here, but, but Paul thought it important to tell him, listen, the reason we're saved is so that Jesus might be put on display for those who don't know. That's it. That's it. He says, to the king of age, the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He doesn't say, hey, you guys build a church in my honor. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say it at all. He just says, hey, listen here, guys. This is, this is where we need to be. This is, this is the exactness of who we are. We are just people who allow God to work through us. And that is such a good thing. That is such a good thing. You know, we, we talked to you guys that were here on Wednesday night. We talked a little bit about Martin Luther, right? As a good preacher, I need to mention Martin Luther because this is the month, right? Martin Luther, you know, he, he nailed those, those, those theses to the door. He, he, he talked about what true salvation is and how, you know, we don't need like a priest. We don't need someone going in, in for us because we have a savior who already did it all, right? And, and this man, this man, he, 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 he said some wonderful things. Martin Luther. He wasn't perfect. Again, you know, we talked about this. He wasn't a perfect man. He's got some things that, you know, he, he was a man. He was imperfect. Let's just leave it at that, okay? But Martin Luther, at the end of his life, he's beginning to see like, uh, you know, he's written a lot of books, creeds, songs, books of prayer. Like he's doing all this stuff. He's trying to make the word of God available to people, right? And at the end of his life, this is what he says about all his writings. I want you guys to catch this. He says, I should have been glad to see all my books forgotten and destroyed. For I perceive what benefit it has brought to the churches that men have begun to collect many books and great libraries alongside the Holy Scriptures. Like his, his intent at the beginning was to get people to read this, right? But people started focusing on, oh, have you read Paul's new, you know, credo? Have you, have you read Paul's new, you know, book of common prayer? Have you read these things? Not Paul, Martin. There we go. Hey, have you, have you read, have you read what he's written? And he's like, no, guys, I, my intent was that you got here, that you got to reading the word of God. He says that this is something that I wish my books just would have went away. He says, not only has a good time been wasted <laughs> at the study of scriptures or the study of scriptures neglected, he says, but the pure understanding of the word of God has been lost until the Bible has come to at last to life forgotten under the bench. In other words, guys, the word of God is important here. I don't think Paul, I don't think Martin for that instance, I don't think he, he's not saying that what he's doing is not important, but what is most important is the word of God. And I say that because where does faith come from? Hearing the word of God, not hearing Martin Luther or brother Daniel or, you know, whatever. It's hearing the word of God. And when we hear the word of God, then we're able to be partakers in grace. It's a wonderful gift, but it only comes from God. And guys, salvation again is what? It's only from God. In his amazing grace. Second thing I would say today is this idea that not only is salvation a work of God's amazing grace, but salvation is a complete surrender to who? 
Jesus. I have a hard time when people just don't submit to Jesus, you know? And I'm not, I'm not harping on anything. I hope you guys understand this morning, but, but like baptism is not something we should ever say, well, I don't know, that's an old antiquated thing. If you've never been baptized, you need to submit to Jesus. Not because Daniel says, but because the word says, right? This is, this is over my head. This is, this, is out, this is out of the realm of Daniel. You know, this is my opinion or whatever. I mean, I'm just going to the word of God. What does the word of God say? That we are to make disciples and to baptize them. And if we're disciples, we're going to be baptized. That's literally what it says. I can't, I can't run away from that. I can't change that up. And I'm not going to. Lord willing and the creeks don't rise. I'm not going to, right? I'm going to stay true to what the word says. And salvation is this complete surrender to Jesus. What, 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 is, what does Saul do here? I mean, he's powerful Saul. He's got, he's got like a, an entourage, it says around him. And, he, and he's walking and Jesus gets a hold of him and he's like, Yes, Lord. You know, he's like, I'm going to Damascus now. And even his guys that are probably arms dudes, they're like, we don't know where that voice came from, but we're going to listen to it. And they go and they wait. They wait. X, Y, Z. You're okay. Thank you. (laughs) But the thing that we know today, guys, what I want you to understand is that salvation is what? It's a complete surrender. You can't just partially surrender to Jesus. You understand that, right? Can't partially surrender. Has to be a complete surrender. Dwight Moody, he said this. He says, let God have your life because he can do more with it than you can. How many of y'all have big plans for your life? Anybody? No, y'all are just like, no. No plans for my life. I don't plan on doing anything. That's Dwight Moody, he says, let God have your life. The best thing you can do right now is to give your life to God. And I don't mean just like, well, like you did, you know, well, I was a kid and I gave him a lot. I'm talking right now. You say, God, from this moment on, I'm totally living for you. That's it. You're, you're the one that I, I live for 100%. Erwin Lutzer, which is like uh, one of Dwight Moody's predecessors at uh, Moody Bible Church. Erwin says this, and I got the opportunity to study under Erwin just a few months ago. But Erwin says this. He says, you become stronger only when you become weaker. When you surrender your will to God, you discover the resources to do what God requires. In other words, it's that total surrender. If you want to follow Jesus, it's 100%. And what we, I think what we've seen in the American church, what we've seen just in church in general, is that people just aren't surrendering like they should. Are you? That's a hard question. Some people say, I don't want to answer that today. Well, you need to. And honestly, you're going to answer it right now whether you want to or not. Because you're either, if you just ignore, he's like, well, I'm not going to listen to what Daniel says this morning. Well, then you're saying, no, I'm not surrendered. Or at least I'm not going to talk about it. But if you surrender your life to God today, it's a beauty thing. It's wonderful. The last thing I would say is that salvation is a work of the spirits. What I love, so far we've mentioned, you guys can look through there. This is like, we see the Trinity in what salvation is about, don't you? You got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All these are involved in our work that is done for us. The work of salvation is a complete work of the Trinity. The Father wills it, right? Jesus Christ makes it possible by his death on the cross. And the Holy Spirit, man, he empowers us. And he's that great that great, pers- that great person of the Trinity that is out here. And he's encouraging us. He's, he's teaching us. He's leading us. 
Guys, I, I think what we understand or we should understand is that salvation is a work of the Spirit. That if it wasn't for the work of the Holy Spirit in your life right now, you wouldn't even be here as a believer. That if anything is speaking to your heart right now, it's not Brother Daniel, but it's the work of the Spirit in your heart right now. And honestly, I want it that way. Can the Lord speak through me? Yeah, he can. We know that's, that's, that's a case, right? We know that that's, that's a poss- that is something the Lord does, but, but salvation at its core, it is a work of the Spirit. And if it wasn't for the work of the Spirit in our lives, it wouldn't matter because it wouldn't happen. We're, we're, we're just not good enough. I know you guys wanted to come to church today to hear that you're not good enough, but you're not. You are not good enough, right? We try to be. We try to be, I mean, how in the world do we trust our, ourselves over, you know, we, we, half the time we can't even get from point A to point B without Google Maps or something, right? Or Siri, right? Siri, I like Siri. Siri, take me here and she will. And she's right most of the time. There was one time we were going to Falls Creek from Porham and we ended up going uh, into Shawnee and then back to Seminole. I don't, yeah, it was a big mistake. And I'm like, what are you doing, Siri? You know, I mean, but we'll trust Siri. We'll trust what the news is telling us. We'll trust what, uh, you know, forecasters of weather or forecasters of economies will tell us. But the thing we need to know today is that it is a work of the spirit and God can be trusted. Quit trusting yourselves. Quit trusting the things of men. Salvation is a work of the Spirit. And once that wind begins to blow upon that frailty of our own lives, he will continually fill ourselves so that we can can go forward. We're going to continue doing good works as a body here because my goal is for us to be living by the Spirit. By what Christ did on the cross for the glory of God. That's exactly what church is about. It's not just about, well, we better pay those bills and keep those lights on, you know? Keep those toilets fixed. We got we to gotta do that, right? We, we think that's what church is about so much of the time. And we were about to go into a business meeting today. Man, it would be great if we'd walk into that business meeting and say, you know what, Lord, this is your church. We can't wait to see what you're going to do with it. Use us. We're not going to spend time like, like bickering or doing this or that in the business meeting. We're going to go in there and say, God, this is your church. Would you reign supreme? Would you, by your work through the Holy Spirit, be in us? Would you be glorified today? I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty excited that salvation is not based on my works. I'm glad it's not something I have to do. There's, there's things that depend on Daniel sometimes, and I might fail. You know, I might fail. Surely not, Daniel. You never fail. You know, somebody asked me to do something, and I might forget you ever forgot something before? No? <laughs> All right. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes we make mistakes. But God never does. And if I can't trust myself to drive from here to Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa Alabama, wherever, I don't know. I'm just trying to make, make up something here. But if I can't trust myself to drive from here to somewhere else, can I really trust myself to drive myself from here to eternity? I guess I can drive myself to eternity. It's called hell, right? You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's possible. You can, you can drive yourself right to hell because here's the thing. We're all heading there without Christ. Oh, Daniel, don't preach those words. There's these people visiting today. They'll never come back. It's the truth though. 
right? Daniel, don't preach those words. That hurts me. I've given a lot of money and time. I don't want to hear about hell. I I, want to still have some control of my life. Here's the thing. If we're in control of our lives, it's going to fall apart every time. If you put Christ at the center of your life, it's a wonderful thing. Some of you may be saying, well, I've just never really done that. Have you, had a, have you had a Paul experience? I'm not talking about scales on your eyes. I'm talking, have you had an experience where you were blind and you really didn't know what was going on and all of a sudden it was like, oh, there's the answer. That's real. You know, that, that's a real thing. I, I have no doubt in my life. I, I, I talk to believers all the time and it's like, you know, some of them then they just get it and some of them are just still just wrestling with their self, right? They don't want to let go fully. And I'm not talking about you guys. I'm, I, I've met with a bunch of preachers this week, so I'm talking about them, okay? But some of these preachers just don't quite get it even yet. They're, they're still wrestling with themselves or their own egos or whatever. The point of the matter is, is that salvation is not of ourselves. Salvation, again, is a, is a work of God's amazing grace. It's a, it's a complete surrender of God, and it's a work of the Spirit. This is exactly what salvation is. It is. Today, again, we have had a fun business meeting, and it's going to be fun. If it's not fun, I'm going to kick you out today, okay? I'm just going to warn you. If anybody starts getting like this, um, I've got my bouncers up here, and they're going to bounce you out of there, okay? We're just not going to do that. I'm just kidding. You'll come back for that, okay? <laughs> okay, I'll just call you. But, but the business meeting today, I mean, let's think about it. What are we about to enter into? I mean, it's the work of Jesus, right? That's what we're talking about. It's not, the, it's not the work of ourselves. It's not our own wants or desires. It's the wants and desires of Jesus. Like, and what he desires for us as a church here in McLeod, Oklahoma. And it only happens, why? Because of grace. I'm not your pastor because I'm good enough. I'm not your pastor because of this, that, and the other. I'm, I'm your pastor today because God placed me here by his grace. Let me, let me turn those tables here today, okay? You're a believer in Jesus Christ because God saved you. You're a part of this body and you're going to do great things for Jesus, not by your own works, but by his grace. Look, look at the last passage and we'll, we'll kind of round it out with this. Ephesians chapter two. Um, Ephesians chapter two. I've been in Ephesians all week. I'm kind of excited about going to Ephesus uh, when we go to Turkey. So that's kind of a cool thing, which by the way, if you're going to the business meeting today, um, we are doing a baked potato dinner. So, uh, Eat as much as you want, but we just ask that you give some type of donation. All that money is just going to go straight uh, to the mission trip itself. Um, we have some expenses left to pay on that. So whatever you guys can give, it'd be awesome. You can give over there. You can give uh, uh, in the back in an offer, offering envelope. If you want to do it that way, you can do it that way too. Um, but every bit of that money is not going to like a vacation. We're literally taking it to uh, proclaim the gospel in Turkey because it needs to be There's a work there. But Ephesians chapter two, starting at verse one, it says, and you were dead in the trespasses and what? Sins. Who's he talking to? Well, he's talking to the believers in Ephesus, but man, that applies to us today too, right? Because at one time we were dead, but what? We're not now. I look at that and I'm thinking he's talking to believers. You were dead, right? There's past sense there. Verse two, in which you once walked, you were that way. But following the course of this world, that's what you were doing, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, 
among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the minds, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So one time we were just like the rest of the world. One time we were blind. One time we were, we were destitute. One time we were without hope. Verse 4, another but. But God, right? Not Southern Baptists, not Daniel, not you, but God. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works.